Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome to episode 87. I'm Jeff Snyder, senior film reporter at Collider, and we've got a jam-packed show today. I wouldn't say there's any gigantic headlines. There wasn't any, like, I mean, there's a lot of, like, odds and ends about Mandalorian, when it starts filming, and, you know, when you might be able to see it, blah, 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 blah. You know, you're going to get your Star Wars fix elsewhere that's not really what this podcast is forgive me for just kicking the camera um yeah there wasn't even that like real major comic book movie news this week it was a little a little quiet a little too quiet um but i'm taping this story excuse me i'm taping this uh podcast about 10 minutes before a big story hits the internet by the time you see and hear this it will be online and that's the fact that uh new line is doing an a Lord of the Rings anime movie, I believe. I haven't seen the release myself. I've just heard it kicked around in the Collider Slack, but it's called The Lord of the Rings, The War of the Rohirrim. Rohirrim. The War of the Rohirrim. A terrible, I don't know, I don't know what this stuff is. This is, this is the kind of stuff that keeps me at arm's length from fantasy stuff when I don't know what is, what is the Rohirrim. I guess I'm supposed to know that or read a book or whatever. Um, so yeah, however you pronounce that, it is from New Line and Warner Brothers Animation. Uh, and yeah, I guess that makes sense. Like, it, it, especially with Amazon having the TV rights to Lord of the Rings. Um, you know, if, if New, I don't know like what that means with the New Line deal or whatever, maybe New Line retained the, the, the feature rights and can do whatever it wants. And it's like, yeah, if you're, if you're sitting on those rights, and Lord of the Rings is about to come back in a big way with the animated or with the um, with the live action series on Amazon. Why not go and do a movie? And, and rather than doing a live action movie, because then, then you have a live action show and a live action movie, people get confused. I, I like this pivot to to you know exploring Lord of the Rings in an animated way. Um, so pretty smart, I have to say. I mean, it's not the kind of thing that I would necessarily care about or go see but like yeah if you own the rights and you can't really do much live action wise because of this amazon show coming out you might as well pivot into animation i think it's a smart move um plus warner brothers isn't making you know those lego movies anymore right like didn't universal take over the lego franchise so they're not they can't really exploit the dc characters that they have um you know, anymore, at least with like, in terms of Lego. I mean, yeah, you could do an animated Superman or Batman movie, which is what they're doing with like DC League of Pets, which we'll talk about later. Um, but I think this is smart, smart way to use the Warner Brothers animation group, uh, in, you know, and their resources. Um, okay, enough Lord of the Rings. Uh, I broke a story this week. This one kind of came out of left field, kind of came out of nowhere wasn't a lot of talk about development or, I mean, I guess it's still early days, but there is a Kingpin sequel that is in the works over at Village Roadshow, which I thought was pretty interesting. I mean, Village Roadshow, you know, they, they have, a, they own a lot of libraries. Like the owner of the parent company of Village Roadshow, which is like Vine Alternative Investment. I don't know what the hell it was called. I guess I'm Vine. Um, <laughs> Anyways, they uh, own like the Lakeshore Library. They, they have, you know, access to a whole bunch of movies. Uh, and, and Kingpin was a Reister Entertainment production, right? Released by MGM, but clearly MGM, you know, didn't own the rights because otherwise Amazon would be developing a Kingpin thing. Uh, and, and maybe that's sort of what, what's 
sparked this this uh, development that, that, that this project is actively in the works. Um, I love Kingpin. Like there are days, just like when I was growing up, and there were days you could argue that Die Hard 2 or Die Hard with a Vengeance were the best Die Hard movies. Both, not, not, that is not correct. I mean, Die Hard, you can't beat the OG. Uh, and just like there were days where I would argue that Kingpin was actually better than Dumb and Dumber and there's something about Mary, which is probably not true, but I still think that you could, you could put forth an argument on, on a show like Movie Fights or whatever. Um, I loved it. You know, I saw it when I was 12 years old. Uh, I loved bowling. I love Woody Harrelson. I, I've called this man a national treasure and I, and I stand by that. And he, and he was a national treasure then. I mean, forget, you know, Cheers and the, the Wesley days of white men can't jump and money train. Like this guy was still awesome uh, in, in the mid nineties and 25 years later, he, he's as big a star as ever, right? Woody Harrelson, uh, he just did a Star Wars movie. He's, he's in Venom uh, 2 coming up. Like, if you like, if you could build a a good sequel around his character, Roy Munson, I don't see why he would say no. You know. Um, but yeah, it has to be Munson because you're not going to get Bill Murray front and center in this thing. Maybe you get a, a cameo out of Bill Murray. You know, out of the you know, due to his relationship with, with the uh, Fairley brothers. Um, but it's like, you can't do Randy Quaid. He's off the deep end, right? He wants to be some type of uh, alternative politician or something these days. Um, so it's not like they're gonna build it around him. Now, the project was described to me as a sequel um, by sources, but you know, part of me wonders, would, would a prequel have been better? Like about a young, Big Earn McCracken, like how Big Earn sort of uh, came to establish that, that reputation. I'm just saying like, I wouldn't be surprised if this sequel became a prequel or, or, or something else. It wouldn't like shock me. I just think it's very early days in development. They're still figuring out what the idea is that they want. Keep in mind that Peter and Bobby did not write Kingpin. Um, it was two other writers. So I don't know if Peter and Bobby are going to write the script themselves or you know, bring back the original writers or hire a couple new young studs, that kind of thing. Um, whew. what like what would be fun though? Like, do, I mean, do, do we see like where Roy Munson is today in his fifties or sixties or whatever? Um, I don't know. I, I think that there's a lot you could do with it, and I think Peter and Bobby are in the process of figuring out what that's going to look like. You know, what is what is the idea that we, first of all you got to make sure that the talent is even like amenable to coming back, right? You you, you can't you can't like start developing these projects without some interest from the talent. Like I said, you never would have done Hocus Pocus 2 if you knew that you couldn't get back as Sarah, uh, Jessica Parker and Ben Midler and Gabby Najimy, you know? Um, so, so I wonder if there has been at least some sort of uh, informal, uh, you know, overture to, to Woody just to, to gauge his interest. Cause otherwise, yeah, they got to find a, a, a way to take this in a different direction, but Listen, it, it, it can't be worse than Dumb and Dumber 2. That's impossible. Dumb and Dumber 2 was so bad. Um, there's something about Mary. Like, that is the movie that everybody kind of wants a sequel to, but I, I just don't know if Cameron Diaz would come out of her self-imposed retirement uh, for that. You know, 
God, that would be so much fun to see her and Stiller together again with, with Matt Dillon, but I just don't see it happening. So Kingpin is sort of the, the movie that's forgotten uh, in, in that mid nineties run that they had um, since Dumb and Dumber and, and there's something about Mary were such huge hits, but it, it, to me, it, it's, it developed a, a cult following and, uh, and I'll always, I'll always have affinity for it. So hopefully that gets off the ground, you know? I think, I think there's, they, they've waited enough time. Um, a lot of stuff happening in the John Wick universe, right? A bunch of castings this week and, and more to come as, as I understand it. But Bill Skarsgård is in talks to join the cast along with Donnie Yen and uh, Shamir Anderson also joined. Really like Shamir Anderson in Stowaway, which is on Netflix. And, and he's definitely um, starting to blow up. He's got that invasion show on Apple coming out. We're going to talk about that trailer at the end of the show. Uh, yeah, I, I imagine that you will soon be hearing not just... Um, maybe a couple, couple more new names, but uh, some returning faces. There was a lot of questions, you know, given that all the new cast members were announced this week or, or a lot of them, a lot of people were like, well, wait, a, wait, you know, what about Halle Berry? What about this person? What about that person? So I imagine that we will have some clarity on those names shortly. But I like the idea of Bill Skarsgård in that universe. I think he's, he, he's pretty cool. Um, all right, Anya Taylor-Joy joining the menu with Ray Fiennes. Uh, this is the old Alexander Payne project that Emma Stone was going to do. I like Anya Taylor-Joy filling in for, um, for Emma Stone. Um, and I think it's Mark Milet who's going to be doing, who's going to be directing this movie it's, instead of Payne. Uh, Mark Milet, a big like HBO succession, I believe entourage guy. Um, yeah, and, and the word on the street is with, with this one that, you know, in the script, which was written a while back, Daniel Radcliffe is a character in the script. And he's, you know, there at this dining table playing himself, uh, I believe with his assistant. So I know that there have been some overtures toward Radcliffe to see if he would come and play himself in this movie. Uh, quite frankly, looking at what Daniel has done over the last few years, I would jump at that opportunity and offer i mean some of the movies that this guy's putting out are just like like who is this for i mean radcliffe does these movies because he gets paid a lot because his name has a lot of international value right and so people are like okay if i need to get a green light for my little you know five to ten million dollar indie movie radcliffe is the guy who will move the needle even though he seems to be uh, not entirely um, right for a lot of these movies. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll see if, if Dan Radcliffe ends up doing the, the menu with Anya Taylor-Joy, but I, I imagine that the script has to be pretty decent to have attracted the, um, just the level of talent that it has over the last few years. Uh, Deadline had a big scoop this week about She Said, which is the, um, the book that uh, was about, you know, by and about the, the New York Times reporters who, who, whose expose about Harvey Weinstein helped take him down and, and bring about the Me Too movement, Me Too movement in, in Hollywood. Uh, Carrie Mulligan and Zoe Kazan are going to be playing Megan Toohey and Jody Cantor uh, with Maria Schrader directing. And I kind of love this cast. I mean, these women are friends. I, I don't know that they've actually shared the screen before, but Carrie Mulligan starred in Wildlife, which was, you know, co-written by Zoe and, and directed by her husband, Paul Dano. Um, who Carrie Mulligan is working with right now on, on Spaceman, the Adam Sandler Netflix movie. Uh, Zoe Kazan as Jodie Cantor, I like a lot. Like I, I could, I could definitely see that. 
Um, and Carrie Mulligan is obviously coming off a promising young woman. Like she's one of the hottest actresses out there right now. Um, and this could very well be their spotlight. You know, this could be, this could be really good, especially, I don't, I don't know what they're planning to do with the Harvey of it all. I imagine that, they'll, that the script kind of keeps Harvey in the shadows a bit, unlike Bombshell, which like devoted half its running time to, to the Roger, you know, Roger Ailes. Um, and I thought, you know, John Lithgow was pretty good in that movie, but at the same time, I think there's a way to, to do these movies, keeping the monsters sort of off screen. I mean, it's not like in Spotlight, we saw like a lot of priests abusing boys or anything like that. But this is a real um, prestige movie and I, and I believe Universal got its hands on it. It was going to be an Annapurna thing. And, you know, Annapurna has undergone a lot of changes since this project was first announced. And then, you know, they're looking for partners and that kind of thing. So Donna Langley stepped up to the plate, wants, wants to do more movies, uh, you know, female driven movies, movies with women behind the camera, movies about women. Um, and, and this is obviously, you know, as good as any project out there. Um, we talked a little bit about Wedding Crashers 2 last week. I did publish an article uh, this past weekend. We decided to hold it for the weekend because we're trying to uh, get, get more collider content up on the weekends. You know, it's, it's news don't stop. It's a, it's a seven day week, baby. So Wedding Crashers 2 you know, there was that, and we talked about this last week, and, and I meant no disrespect to, to Production Weekly. They're just running the listings that people send in, and, and you know, there are things that crew members are comfortable admitting to and things that, you know, the studio are comfortable admitting to and whatnot. It, it doesn't sound like there are any deals in place with, with anybody except for maybe the writers at this point. Um, you know, uh, Dob, Dave Dobkin does not have a deal to return, although he, you know, our sources say he is scouting locations. So, yeah, he's going to be directing this movie. Is it a matter of, I mean, listen, this is what studios always do. There's no deal in place. He hasn't signed on the dotted line. It's like, okay, but he's out location scouting. So what do you like? You know how it is guys in this business. Um, same thing with like, like I said, uh, you know, Hocus Pocus 2 and um, you know, that, that kind of shit. Like you don't make this movie without getting having some informal conversations with your stars and seeing if they're going to be coming back. So, you know, while Vince and Owen don't have any deals in place and a lot of it will depend on, on the script, although sources say everyone's pretty happy with, with uh, where that script stands. I don't know if, if those writers in the production weekly listing are actually the writers on this latest draft, um, but it sounds like Vince and Owen are in early talks to return. It sounds like Vince is really kind of driving the train on that. I think Owen, not that Owen has more going on, but I, because you know Vince just did Freaky which I thought was really good and he produces like a lot of stuff but Owen Wilson's obviously in a big Marvel show Loki he's got Jennifer Lopez movie coming out he just did one with Salma Hayek like Owen has a little bit more maybe juice at this point um so I wasn't surprised to hear that it was, it was Vince uh, a little bit more who's like yeah let, let's do this he also is just like the better character right you know uh, Owen Wilson kind of playing sort of playing the straight man in, in these plus you know it, it's not when you're when you're 10 15 how, how long is this movie 20 years 20 years later like no 15 years later um it, it may not be as cute just falling into bed over and over with different women particularly you know right now and and uh the atmosphere um 
but yeah, that's where things actually stand on Wedding Crashers 2. Do I think that this will happen? I do. Um, I, I think it's certainly as close as it's ever gone before, but it, it's certainly not a done deal by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and, ooh, Harry Melling cast as Edgar Allan Poe in The Pale Blue Eye over at Netflix. This is Scott Cooper's new movie. And then uh, Showbiz 411, um, my pal Roger Friedman, he reported that Robert Duvall is going to be in this movie as well. Uh, after working with Scott Cooper on Crazy Heart, and that Robert Duvall is going to be with Carrie Mulligan and Adam Sandler in that Spaceman movie at Netflix. Okay, wait, the um, the New Line Lord of the Rings announcement just hit. Just want to see if there's anything else. It'll be directed, okay, it'll be directed by Kenji Kamiyama. Lord of the Rings, The War of the Rohorim explores and expands the untold story behind the fortress of Helm's Deep delving into the life and blood-soaked times of one of Middle-earth's most legendary figures, the mighty king of Rohan, Helm Hammerhand. I don't know what any of that means. Uh, with Kamiyama, who did um, Blade Runner, Black Lotus, and Ghost in the Shell standalone complex TV series, the Helm. Yeah, okay. Um, Jeffrey Addis and Will Matthews are penning the script. Uh, and Philippa Boyens, uh, who, who you know was part of the screenwriting team for *Lord of the Rings* and *The Hobbit*, is going to serve as a consultant. Okay, you know that, that's enough of that. I just I felt like I had to read it once the actual release came in. Um, Jeff Nichols set up a new sci-fi movie at Paramount. Uh, he is supposed to do *A Quiet Place* three, and that will come before whatever this project is. But uh, Emma Watts, you know, kind of loved working with Jeff Nichols over at, at Fox and wanted, you know, they were developing that *Alien Nation* movie together. That kind of fell apart. Um, so, you know, while, while we don't know anything about this project, more, more Jeff Nichols is always a good thing. And, and by the way, for those of you who are, you know, think of Jeff Nichols as like the guy behind Mud or Take Shelter or fucking Midnight Special, like, you know, all, all good movies, um, all, at, le at the very least decent movies. But like his first one is, is clearly his best one. So if you have not seen Shotgun Stories, track down Shotgun Stories starring Michael Shannon, uh, that is a fantastic movie. And also one of the great trailers. I love the Shotgun Stories trailer. Uh, Glenn Close joining Josh Brolin, Peter Dinklage in Brothers. This is a movie, we also don't really have any plot details for this one, but I, we, we assume that Josh Brolin and Peter Dinklage will, will play brothers who definitely, you know, do not necessarily look alike. Will, will Glenn Close play their mother? I have no idea. She kind of already did that in Father Figures. You know, with the with Ed Helms and and is that Owen Wilson as well, I think. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is is all three of them are, are Marvel alums, right? Brolin, Dinklage, Glenn Close, kind of interesting. Could could be a, a smart way to put together, you know, smaller comedies or even indie movies. It's just you know drawing these actors from these gigantic uh, franchises and and sort of marketing it like that. Uh, the Rock producing Emergency Contact with uh, starring Yaya Abdul-Mateen II. I forget if we talked about this last week. We may have, um, but I certainly like that that pairing. I, mean, I wish The Rock would, was going to be on screen in this one. He's just producing. I, I like that title, though, Emergency Contact. Brian Fuller directing a reboot of Christine, which I did not realize is going to be his feature directorial debut. I, I thought for some reason that he had directed something else, but really it's kind of just uh, exclusively, for, at least for the most part, uh, been working in, in television. Um, I think Fuller said, uh, there was like one quote or something where like, he thought that the best character in Stephen King's book doesn't even make it into the Christine movie. So, so I think you're definitely going to see 
a movie that um, hews a little bit closer to the book than that, you know, it's more of a, another, a new adaptation rather than like a remake. Uh, but I think you could have a lot of fun with, with, with Christine. That, that to me, it, you know, that Firestarter, like we're starting to see these other, maybe second tier um, Stephen King reboots and whatnot. Like I, I'd rather, rather that than Lisey's story and fucking Dr. Sweet, bro. Uh, Steven Soderbergh producing Ben David Grabinski's new script, Gator and the Egg, which is an undercover buddy cop movie. I just thought that that was cool. Congrats to Ben David um, on getting Soderbergh aboard. Patrick Ness is writing a new Master and Commander movie for 20th Century Studios. Patrick Ness, uh, you know, did a Monster Calls, which I loved, and then Chaos Walking, which I wouldn't watch with a gun to my head. Uh, I'm not a big ma master and commander guy. It's a very kind of old fashioned, you know, warfare on the, on the high seas kind of thing. I thought it was okay when it came out, just, you know, mainly because of the craft. Peter Weir is just such a great filmmaker, but I can't say, you know, the Russell Crowe, Paul Bettany movie ever really spoke to me. I'm, I'm more of a beautiful mind guy. Um, but I know a lot of people, you know, were excited about this. This was an announcement they've been looking forward to for a long time. So I, I hope you guys are happy. Madeline Klein from Outer Banks and Knives Out 2. Don't know really who she is. Didn't watch Outer Banks, but you know, I can't know everybody, gang. I mean, I'm old. I'm 37. <laughs> I should know everybody, um, but it is to, just with all these shows, like particularly shows like Outer Banks, I don't really pay attention to or Shadow and Bone. Like I know that's where a lot of young stars are, are emerging from these days or Riverdale or you know, I have all these like YA shows. I get it. When I was a teenager, I watched that stuff. I watched, you know, fucking Dawson's Creek. And, and now, you know, these, these are the, the stars of tomorrow. Michelle Williams, uh, Joshua Jackson, Katie Holmes, whatever. Uh, so I, I should familiarize myself a little bit better with, with today's young stars, but I kind of waited for them to, to, to take that next step in their careers before they land on, on my radar. Um, Medea. Medea's back. I think for, for Tyler Perry's 12th film, I want to say, as the character, and he's taking her to Netflix. Um, yeah, I think he said that he was like done with this character, ready to move on, but then the pandemic sort of, you know, depressed a lot of people, and then he's like, Medea can bring people joy. Like, it, she makes people feel good, and, and people need to feel good right now. So I, I think that's, it was, I'm sure he got a great deal from Netflix, you know, and, and he has full creative controls, blah, 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 blah. So I, I mean, I, I liked, it, it sounds selfless in the, in the moment. I'm sure that there's some element of, of selfishness behind it, given the payday. Not that Tyler Perry needs any more money. He's got more money than, than God. Um, but, but I liked his reasoning for bringing that character back. Zoe Deutsch starring in, a, in an indie movie, Not Okay, from Searchlight and Make Ready. And I like Zoe Deutsch. I don't really care about, you know, talking about this project on the podcast or whatever. But the reason that it's on the agenda today is that this movie is debuting exclusively on Hulu. And I, I wonder if that, I don't know, that doesn't mean it's the first Searchlight movie that will debut on Hulu, but it, it, it sure seems like it's the first Searchlight movie produced, intended for Hulu. And I wonder if that led to the exits of Stephen Glue and Nancy Utley, you know, last month or whatever, like if they sort of got word from, from the Disney overlords, it's like, all right, Searchlight, we want to use your label to make movies exclusively for Hulu. Uh, Cause then I could see them walking like, you know, 
I mean, not that um, Searchlight doesn't make movies like this. I mean, they have a, this prestige aura, but they, they do other stuff for like, um, too. Uh, I just wonder if they were like, yeah, we're not in the business of producing movies for, for not, I don't want to call Hulu B, a B-tier streaming service because I love Hulu. Um, but I think, you know, when people write about streaming services, they write about Netflix and Amazon and HBO Max and Disney Plus. You know, Hulu's kind of like this, this afterthought since a lot of people just watch it to watch, uh, use it to watch television the next day. Like uh, I do. I watch a lot of stuff on, on Hulu that way. Um, but yeah, I just raised an eyebrow and I was like, Searchlight producing exclusively for Hulu. Hmm, that's a first. Uh, Stranger Things season four announced like four new castings. Um, the only one that stood out to me was Grace Van Deen uh, from, from The Binge. Very, very pretty young girl um, and, and talented too. She, I, she is cast for Van Deen's daughter, I believe. So congratulations to her. Judy Greer joining the White House Plumber Show on HBO. Everybody loves Judy Greer. Every show could benefit from more Judy Greer. Judy Greer, Judy Greer, Judy Greer. Her and Catherine Hahn are really uh, in quite the race for, uh, you know, most beloved character actress of the modern day. Uh, Christina Ricci joined Matrix 4. Um, that could be cool. I don't know. Like, I could see her wearing some, some black leather, some trench coats, acting like a badass. Uh, I don't know if she has some uh or wait wasn't she in speed racer is that do i have that right so i think that she has a, a relationship with um uh the wachowski siblings and, and whatnot um i wonder if she'd be playing like a i wouldn't i don't want to say a young trinity she can't be much younger she can't be much younger um okay anyways <laughs> rob zombie directing a, a monsters movie this has been rumored for months um although it is for for universal's 1440 label so it's it's a direct to, to video kind of thing maybe it winds up on on peacock um seems like a weird fit to me i mean rob zombie you know he's wanted to make this movie for 20 years so he clearly has a, 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 an affection for the original show <laughs> but i'm just like trying to picture like the rob zombie aesthetic cross with the monsters and it just feels very very weird and, and strange to me i'm kind of curious how that, that one is going to turn out uh the ted sequel all right there, there's a ted sequel series announced on peacock this is sort of like monsters and ted and fucking what's, what's the other one that they're doing you know we're gonna see the weirdest shit on these streaming services i think over the next few years um I think Ted, uh, a Ted series could actually be like a smart idea. I think people would watch it, which is half the battle. Forget it being good. I think people would watch. Ted 2 was bad. Like that was a bad sequel. Um, and I really liked the first movie. So, you know, and I really liked Mark Wahlberg in those movies. I mean, Mark Wahlberg getting a ton of shit today for Infinite, which, you know, it sounds like he's just horribly miscast, even if people like uh, the, the movie around him, which, you know, most don't, but, uh, I really like Mark Wahlberg in, in those Ted movies. And, you know, if it's not him, then you've just got like a foul mouth bear with no best friends. So like, what is, what is the story? What is the take here? I didn't actually, I don't think I actually clicked or read on the article. So I don't know if there were plot details, but have to be skeptical after seeing that, that Ted sequel, which was just like, wow, bad. DC Super Pets, we talked about uh, earlier, but yeah, a uh, bunch of cool voice casts. I think it's uh, Kate McKinnon, right? Vanessa Bayer, John Krasinski, Kevin Hart is going to be voicing Batman's dog, Ace. 
So yeah, I mean, people love dogs and pets and, and people love superheroes. And if you can bind them together, maybe this will be, maybe this will be the biggest movie ever, you know, who knows? Uh, the Offer, that's the, the making of The Godfather show over on Paramount+. Plus. Nice little cast coming together for this, I gotta say. Matthew Good cast as Robert Evans. Dan Fogler is going to play um, Francis Ford Coppola, the director of The Godfather. Giovanni Ribisi as uh, is it Joe, Joe Colombo, right? The, the mafioso who won, I think he you know, made them lose the word mafia in the script for The Godfather. Um, he's like, yeah, that's gotta go. And then Colin Hanks is like a, a Gulf and Western executive who, who held a lot of power on the uh, Paramount lot. Those are four pretty good actors uh, surrounding Miles Teller. And, and I'm sure that they'll be announcing a bunch of female cast members in the coming days or weeks. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like that that's off to a good start. Recovering nicely in the wake of Army Hammer's exit, I must say. McGruber, we got Mickey Rourke as the bad guy, hell yeah. Sam Elliott as McGruber's dad and Lawrence Fishburne. I mean, these are three really good actors. I mean, Mickey Rourke is, is, is bad sometimes, but when Mickey Rourke shows up and, and can bring it, he, you know, you saw the wrestler, that's one of the greatest performances ever. Uh, so yeah, him, Sam Elliott, Larry Fishburne in, in McGruber. That's, uh, that's a pretty good, pretty good supporting cast, I'd say for, for that show. Um, the Pentaveret. This is a Mike Myers show, and it's going to star Keegan Michael Key, Ken Jeong, Debbie Mazar, Jennifer Saunders. Excuse me. And Mike Myers is going to play several characters himself, which always seems to work out well. The Pentaveret was actually mentioned in his So I Married an Axe Murderer movie. Um, so I guess you could almost call this a spinoff of sorts. Uh, and it's like about five people who, five men who controlled the world and all the world events since the beginning of time. And I don't know. It sounds a little heady and, and trippy, but I'm, I'm down to see what Mike Myers comes up with. You know, not everything is gold, but um, I, I just, I like his sensibility. You know, even when it's like bad, like the love guru or whatever, I just have a soft spot for, for Mike Myers. I'm glad that someone's given him a chance to make a show. My event Amelia joined season four of the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Should I be watching that show? I feel bad. I've never seen an episode. I do feel like I'd like it but no one has ever really just made the case to me where it's like, you have to sit down and watch Maisel. All right, trailers, reviews, mailbag. We're, we're getting to that point of the show, guys. Um, at least at least it's a, a meaty portion. Trailers, we got a trailer for No Sudden Move, the new Soderbergh movie. I thought it looked great, showed it to my dad. He's excited for that movie now. Like that's the movie he wants to see immediately. Um, really likes the idea, you know, Benicio and, and John Hamm and just looks like a, a fun, 50s crime movie or you know 50s or 60s one of those whatever uh, I dug the trailer for Eyes of Tammy Faye which I think really shows that Michael Showalter like he could have a, a really solid directing career ahead of him um, this one is with Jessica Chastain and Andrew Garfield I'm sure that they will both be campaigned for awards this is Searchlight as well um, and yeah it's sort of Mary's crime and faith and some people who I think knew that they were doing some, some shady stuff and trying to justify it using religion and whatnot. And uh, like Jessica Chastain, total, almost, almost completely unrecognizable as, as Tammy Faye Baker. So uh, that could be good, but I, I really did like that trailer. I like the music that they used as well. 
Uh, speaking of Andrew Garfield, we got a trailer this morning for Tick, Tick, Boom, which is about, I think, Jonathan Larson, the creator of Rent. Um, looks very creative. This is Lin-Manuel's directorial debut. And uh, I think I saw someone note on Twitter, like, it's it's funny that these guys are using, like, the enormous clout that they have to make movies that, like, only them would be interested in. Like, you know, how many people really want to watch a movie about the creator of rent, uh, I, I guess you know rent fans, but you know it's it's probably a limited, a limited number. Um, but you know what? Fuck it. Lin, Lin Manuel has has contributed so much to our culture over the last few years. It's like just let him do whatever he wants, right? That's probably what they said in Netflix too. Uh, speaking of Netflix, we got a trailer for Fear Street, and I don't mean one Fear Street. I mean three Fear Streets. Um, I think I, I think they look good. You know, I told you the comps last week, uh, Scream, Friday the 13th, and, and The Witch. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's an interesting, innovative idea to release three, like a, a trilogy of movies right on top of each other one week after the next for three straight weeks on, on Netflix um, to do, you know, one, tra- I don't know if each movie will get its own trailer. That could actually be interesting. Um, but I like the way that they, they did this one. You know, and then they just showed like a clear connection between the three and it's all serving, you know, one sort of larger mythology. Uh, so even though I'm, I, I'm a little skeptical about Fear Street being such a, a big fan here, um, I don't know. Part of me has, has a little bit of hope, a little bit of faith. I didn't love Lee Janiac's Honeymoon, though. I got to be got to be honest about that one. But uh, whatever. I'll forgive her, I'm sure. Invasion, we got a trailer for. We talked about that at the top of the show. Um, Shamir Anderson, Sam Neill. Looks like a very, you know, War of the Worlds heavy vibes. This is from Sam, uh, Simon Kinberg and um, David Wheel, creator of Hunters. Uh, trailer looked better than I was expecting. Looked like, looked like the budget was pretty good on this one. It, it didn't all just go to foundation, um, which I imagine will be debuting later this year, um, if not early 20, uh, 2022. Got a trailer for Roadrunner starring Anthony Bourdain, which really kind of like humanized him. Like I didn't watch, you know, I don't really watch food shows or travel shows. And when Anthony Bourdain died, um, obviously, you know, it was, it was a sad day, but uh, I didn't feel that that personal loss that it seemed like so many people felt. Um, and then this this trailer for Roadrunner, I don't know, it showed a different side of him. And, and uh, by the way, I really do respect what I've read ab- about the man since his, his passing. Um, and even though I wouldn't, you know, c- condone suicide and, and uh, you know, if, if you're thinking of suicide, like, you know, call a hotline. There are definitely people out there who are, who are willing to help you. But, uh, you know, a part of me can appreciate, respect, accept the fact that like, you know, I, a guy may just be, you know, irreversibly sad, and and uh, and and it's you know your life is yours, and and if, if you want to end it prematurely, like I, I I guess you should have that right, even though, like I said, not condoning that. Um, so there 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 was like something beautiful and within the tragedy of of his death, and I, and I hope that this movie brings that to the forefront that this was a guy going out on his own ter- own terms. Maybe I think like that just because like I, not that I've had suicidal ideation or anything like that, but like, I want to go out on my own terms. I want to go out like fucking Thelma and Louise, like rather than die in, in a hospital bed or in hospice or something like, 
if I can move my foot in my hands, stick me in like a blue convertible and I will fucking roll right off the Grand Canyon, right over, just boom, <laughs> right off a cliff. And, and that's how I want to go out. So uh, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll, I don't know, feel like a kinship with, with Anthony Bourdain when I watch this movie, uh, but I do want to watch it. And, and I do think it looks, um, it looks potentially special. We'll see. Uh, Space Jam 2, A New Legacy. We got a trailer for, the, for that movie with LeBron and Bugs Bunny. And, you know, it kind of looked exactly like what I was expecting, like a, a, a 2020 version of, of uh, Michael Jordan Space Jam. You know, I'm not sure if LeBron is a, movie, is a movie star. It seemed a little stiff. So did Michael Jordan. <laughs> I don't think either one is going to be accused of, uh, excuse me, being Jack Nicholson anytime soon. But the, uh, the trailer really inspired people to go through it with like a fine tooth comb. I already know, you know, the end of this movie just because of certain frames that were included in the trailer. Less is more, people. Less is more. Like LeBron, Space Jam 2. What do we need, need a trailer for? Like that fucking thing sells itself. We got a trailer for the animated movie Ron's Gone Wrong, which actually seemed kind of cute. It seemed like you know, uh, almost like Mitchell's Mitchell versus the Machines crossed with Record Ralph crossed with I don't fucking know, and whatever. It's a kids' movie. Look, looked, looked okay. I, I would watch that with my niece. Um, and then lastly, the God Committee, which is like you know a little low budget indie vertical entertainment acquisition, that kind of thing. But I, 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 I do like the premise. I like these kinds of premises. I showed this to Dad. He was interested in it. It's with Kelsey Grammer and Julia Stiles and Coleman Domingo and, and Dan Hedaya and Janine Garofalo, like. You know, it's not like a huge movie or anything, but it's about, you know, a team of, of, I don't know if they're doctors or hospital administrators or both, um, but basically, you know, they're supposed to do like a heart transplant and then the patient or, you know, whoever's getting that heart dies on the table. So it's like, fuck, we've got a heart and we got to use this heart and we got to use this heart in the next few hours. So we got to figure out who's getting this heart. And, you know, it's like, do we give to this patient, patient A, patient B, patient C, patient C, his father is a zillionaire. Uh, now it's not ethical, obviously, to just give it to the rich person, you know, like the, the, a, a poor person who's sick has just as every much right to live as the, as the rich person. But if the rich person can, you know, give 25 million to the hospital, that could save a lot more lives. So it's like, what do you, what do you do? Who gets the heart? Uh, I am going to, to watch that indie. Um, yeah, just based strictly on its premise, which sounds interesting. All right, review time. Saw the first two episodes of Loki. Uh, it was late at night. It was like, I was probably watching 12.30 to 2.30 in the morning. Um, I can barely fucking remember it. Didn't, didn't really make an impression on me uh, beyond Owen Wilson, who I thought was um, really quite good. And I look forward to, you know, learning more about the TVA and the rules and stuff. But there was just like a lot of like holograms and people watching holograms. And I was like, did this already happen? Do I forget? I mean, there's 22 fucking Marvel movies. Like, did this happen? Is he imagine? Is this like a glimpse into a future that didn't happen? What the fuck is going on? Uh, yeah. I, I gave up on WandaVision after a few episodes. I don't know if I'll give up on um, Loki. But I, I don't see myself like jumping to watch this show like I did Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which 
didn't even prove to be that great, but at least like that was straightforward. I knew what I was getting into. I knew what was going on. Loki seems a little too heady, but maybe it was just that, that first episode that, that threw me in. But I, I love Owen, Owen Wilson. He's a great addition to the MCU. Uh, and I, you know, look forward to, to seeing where this goes with, with the variant and whatnot. I mean, yeah, you know, it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. It just didn't, you know, it didn't quite meet the expectations that I had for it based on that, that first trailer. Uh, I watched Dear Mr. Brody this week. I watched a whole bunch of Tribeca movies, and I can't really talk about them on this podcast because some are going to be debuting this weekend. But Dear Mr. Brody is one that was at Telluride last year, and, and I missed it. Um, they'd sent me the link, and I just did not get around to watching it in time. By the time I clicked on it, it was expired. So I circled back with the publicist, got my hands on Dear Mr. Brody, and I'm so glad I did because, as I suspected, it was absolutely excellent. I was crying throughout just a weird, wild story of this, you know, heir to the oleomargarine fortune, Michael J. Brody, who decided that, you know, he was like a hippie, wanted to just give it all, give away his fortune. And that, you know, brought everybody out of the woodwork to ask for money. And, and so it's just a fascinating story, man. So <clears throat> Ed Pressman, who I've had lunch with, very, very nice guy. One of the, you know, the, the golden days of Hollywood producers, right? Like this guy's been around. He's got to be in his 80s now. And looking good too, Ed. Um, Ed Pressman produced The Crow. That's why I, I love Ed Pressman. So Ed Pressman was going to uh, produce a movie about Michael J. Brody in the 70s. And he wanted like Richard Dreyfus to play him. And for whatever reason, it didn't work out. But, you know, he got access to all of Brody's like archive material. So all the letters that everyone across America, the world, whoever were sending him, you know, asking for money, he, he has all these letters and, and so many of them are unopened. And so I think it was his assistant or one of his executives who, who was tasked with going through these boxes. Or I think they just went into Ed's storage unit and, and discovered these letters and asked him what they were. And what, a, what an incredible documentary to take these letters, so many of them unopened, about the hopes and dreams and fears of, you know, of the letter writer inside and to track down the people who wrote these letters and, and present them with, hey, you know, this was you when you were a kid or when you were 20 or 30 and you were just trying to get money to support your children or to go to send yourself to school or to start a new company. Um, it was heartbreaking to, re to, to hear these people read their letters and... Um, you know, letter writing is, is a lost art. I'm, I'm working on a letter myself. Uh, you know, everything has just been, you know, distilled and reduced down to email and whatnot. But uh, I don't know, there's something very, very moving about a letter written by hand. And when these people, are, you know, are reunited with the, with the envelopes that they sent them in and the stamps that they licked. And it's just, you, you can hear, I'm even kind of getting like choked up just talking about it, but a, a very, very emotional film, very entertaining it's an absolute must-see. Um, dear Mr. Brody, track it down. I saw Plan B this week. That's a Hulu comedy. You know, we've seen this before, whether it's Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, or uh, what was it, Unpregnant. Um, you know, this is obviously a, <laughs> a comedy. It's, it's not a drama like Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. I didn't see Unpregnant, so I can't really compare them. Plan B was funny. Uh, it wasn't great. But I really like the chemistry between, you know, the, the two leads. Um, I really liked uh, the, 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 I want to say that she's the Indian, the Indian lead. Uh, I don't have her name in front of me. Um, but there's a, a great just visual gag with a Prince Albert, which is a, a uh, you know, 
a, a, a penis piercing, essentially. Um, that is very, very funny with a great payback at, at the end. Um, I think this movie showed real promise from, from Natty, uh, Natalie Morales, who I know did another indie movie. She's directed a couple of movies this past year. Um, I know it's, she did it with Mark Duplass. I'm forgetting what it's fucking called. Love, maybe Love Language, Love Lessons, something like that. One of those. Language Lessons, could have been that. Oh, which brings me to Gina Rodriguez, my girl. It breaks my heart to do this, you know, but like, hey, friends tell each other when, you know, things aren't great. Um, so, you know, Gina and I went to school. We went to NYU together. She's such a sweetheart. I'm like amazed at how far she's come in her career. And she's not bad in, in this movie, Awake, um, which I was looking forward to. It had, a, it had a really good premise, you know, like all of a sudden the world is you know, find itself going crazy because nobody can sleep and, and Gina's daughter can sleep. And so obviously the government wants to get its hands on her to study her and, and maybe they can like, you know, create some kind of cure using her DNA. I don't fucking know. There was actually some interesting direction in this movie, but the script was horrible. Like um, everyone just felt like they were kind of sleepwalking through this thing. I, it, to me, it just fell apart in the end. I, I thought it started out okay. And, and then that second half or third act, whatever you want to call it, it was just like, what the fuck is this? This is bad. Didn't feel like, like there was like much in the way of resolution. I mean, that, that's another movie I watched late at night, but didn't, didn't really keep me awake. Yeah, that, that's another toss it on the, on the Netflix bargain bin. Um, I will say it was better than Flashback, which, you know, is the, the Dylan O'Brien movie. I forget if I talked about this last week. It was so bad. It was, it's the worst movie I've seen this year until next week when I get to tell you the other worst movie that I saw this year. Um, what, a, what a good cast too. Micah Monroe, Emery Cohen, completely wasted on, on a story that makes no fucking sense. The, the editing is like a music video on MTV. It was horrific. We're moving on. Told you about a bunch of Tribeca movies um, that I saw. Uh, the, the Novice, No Man of God, Seven Days. I did, you know, interviews. For those, um, I'm not reviewing, or I'm probably not even going to see Infinite. Like, that was on my list of movies to see. That hits Paramount Plus this week. The reviews have been absolutely brutal on that. And, like, even the people who, who like, like, the, the kernel of an idea in that movie say Mark Wahlberg is just horribly, horribly miscast. Um, and just like, you know, on, on like just expressionless, you know, which is giving me mile 22 vibes and I don't need to go through that again. So probably not even going to see infinite, which is a real bummer. Like considering how much that movie costs, like that's, that's a big movie to just throw away on, on Paramount plus and get horrible reviews. Um, I will be watching False Positive and In the Heights this weekend. I, I will be able to talk about In the Heights next week. Um, and I might be able to talk about False Positive on the podcast next week. The embargo may lift that Thursday. But I am looking forward to, to both of those. Right, the Tribeca movie that I did want to talk about. Um, and I hope it's not embargoed or anything. But like, I just have to say, because I thought it was really good, was Catch the Fair One, which is directed by this guy like Joseph Lod. I'm sure I bought, but, uh, butchered his name just then, but like I've seen his name on episodes of Narcos and Narcos Mexico or whatever. Um, and this is about like a young boxer, Callie Reese, who I believe is from Providence. And she basically goes undercover in a uh, sex ring to find her missing sister. And it's a fucking badass revenge movie, executive produced by Darren Aronofsky. That 
I mean, Dear Marissa Brody was the best thing that I saw this week, but Catch the Fair one um, was, was a pretty impressive es- effort. And I'd like to see this, this uh, actress, Callie Reese, um, in more things. Because I thought she brought a real intensity. I mean, I know that she can kick ass. She's a real like professional boxer, but she, she impressed me with her dramatic chops as well. So maybe she's like, you know, the, the new diverse Ronda Rousey or, or something like that. Uh, we'll end the show with a little mailbag question from Will Drowdulous, um, although it's going to be a quick answer. Hey, Jeff, hope all is well. I was wondering, with Jeff Nichols doing a Quiet Place spinoff, and now this new sci-fi movie in development, is his Yankee Commandante movie with Adam Driver officially dead? Uh, and another question, if you have the time, if there's one movie currently in development, hell slash dead, that you want to see, what would it be? Thanks. Interesting. As far uh, as far as Yankee Commandante goes, I have not heard anything since that initial announcement. Listen, I could say that about eighty-five percent of the fucking announcements that you see, like there's just they're just announcements. They're not real movies. Um, I mean, Driver and Nichols have worked together before. Maybe Adam Driver winds up in a Quiet Place three. Who fucking knows? Uh, but Driver has a pretty busy dance card, um, and it sounds like you know Nichols is going to be focused on this Quiet Place movie, and and, and now this new sci-fi thing. So if we're, t- if Yankee coming that day ever happens, I think we're looking at five or six, maybe even seven years away at this point now. Um, I, I don't want to call it dead because I don't know, but it, I, I, it does, certainly doesn't seem very active. Uh, as far as the one movie currently in development, hell slash dead that I want to see, um, I don't know if it's a movie anymore. It might be a series, but it was a movie at this point, And until it is officially announced as a series, I will, uh, just say Mark Andreco's um, torso. My 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 schmodown, my former schmodown partner, although my, my brother for life, Mark Andreco. Uh, I knew Andreco before the schmodown, not personally, but just as this amazing you know comic book artist. Uh, him and I think it's Brian Michael Bendis had done Torso, which is about a serial killer in Ohio, and, and these torsos keep washing up. And uh, and so uh, you know Elliot Ness, a young Elliot Ness, comes to town and, and vows to catch the serial killer. Um, Fincher was going to do it as a movie once upon a time. I would love to, to see that happen in any capacity, whether it's a feature or a show, whatever Mark Andreco uh, thinks is best. Cause I trust his creative instincts. Um, that I think will do it. Let me- Thank you all for watching. I have to go finish my review of Dave season two, which comes out next week. Spoiler alert, thumbs up. And uh, yeah, have a wonderful weekend in the Heights, in the Heights, in the Heights. See you next week. Take care. Thanks for watching. Bye.